those of us within agriculture, we just want people to understand what we do and why we do it. Because I say all farmers and ranchers are passionate about what they do and they care deeply for either their animals or their land or the lifestyle. And, you know, really, we just want to share it with people. We want people to understand us. Have you ever felt? Are you listening? Damn. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for coming on. Um, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, me. Hannah Minkler, I, uh, I don't know you at all, but a mutual friend of ours, uh, Veronica Lasseter, was able to put us in touch. And yes. um, oddly enough, it was we sit on a board together and we're looking at, you know, what is the future of our area going to be like? And we're very rural Colorado, but yet we we want some amenities and we want these things. And we're always kind of trying to find out ways to, to generate revenue or mm-hmm. allow somebody's property to generate revenue or have a splash pad that generates revenue. Like that kind of comes back towards a town. And so she had brought up something um, called agritourism. And I'm like sitting across from this in this boardroom being like, what the hell is agritourism? (laughs) You know, I'm like, what is that? And so she kind of starts to explain it and it's just like light bulbs go off. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, there is, there's actually, not only have I experienced things like this and love them, Mm -hmm. uh, but there's like actual validity to this. Like there's, there's a real chance that people can use their farms or use their, their crops or use their animals and create this, tourism sector mm-hmm. of our economy. And when I started kind of like looking at it and thinking about it, I was like, well, this is way, way bigger than I realized. Mm-hmm. Like it's already existent mm-hmm. and it's far bigger than I thought it was or far bigger than I was aware of. And I was like, okay. So I reached out to her. I was like, Hey, come on the show. And she's like, I've, I've got the person actually that you need to speak to. <laughs> and so she put us in touch and I'm, I'm so happy to have you on because I think that it's something that a lot of people are subconsciously aware of that's mm-hmm. happening, but they don't really know that it's actually happening and that it could be uh, compounded to make it way bigger and better than it already is. So thank you for Absolutely. coming on. And I really yeah, want to talk you. about it. So yeah. for <clears throat> the dumbest person in this room, <laughs> can, you, <laughs> can you can you give me... Uh, a, a little bit of background, like take us back a little bit, um, you know, give us the two minute skinny, you know, what do you do? Where are you from? What okay. got you sort of into this? And then let's just kind of go from there because I'm, I'm super intrigued by it. And I think it's yeah. a cool thing. I really am. So, well, thank you for having me and thank you for thinking it's intriguing. I think that's really important. A lot of people don't realize how much ag is everywhere and what that means. And the reason I know about it is because I grew up on a ranch. So I grew up outside of a very small town called Ignacio, which is close to here. And um, on our family's ranch, we have horses and hay. And so we have our own horses and then people can board their horses at our place. And then we grow hay. So that's kind of how I grew up. Um, I grew up in ag, but it was something I didn't think about. It was just part of my community and my culture. I never thought twice about it. And so when I went away to college, I, um, you know, I never thought about studying agriculture. Um, I had some people that were like, you should, you know, go into ag business or something. And 
I thought, why would I study my chores? Like that was just so <laughs> not interesting to me at all. Um, I always figured I would want to come back and be a part of our family's ranch. And um, probably about almost 10 years ago, I first heard about agritourism and my parents kept mentioning, mentioning it and I didn't really understand what it was, but I kind of started to hear about it more and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Maybe, you know, one day I could do something with agritourism. And that's where I kind of first heard about it. And so, you know, you hear agritourism, it, I don't know, for some people it might sound obvious what it is and for others, maybe not. So it really is just tourism with agriculture. And it's as simple as a corn maze or a Christmas tree farm or a pumpkin patch. Or it can be way more complex or outside the box than that. It's so varied. So it's really interesting. And then specifically in Colorado, it's kind of neat because it's a combination of our top two industries in our in our state. So the top industry in Colorado is tourism. And our second largest industry is agriculture, which I don't think a lot of people realize. So agriculture contributes almost $40 billion to our economy every year. Not that a lot of that goes back to the farmer rancher per se, but it's a huge part of our economy. So bringing in agritourism is really neat. It's just that combination. So I'm really passionate about it. And I think it's very interesting, no matter what kind of community you live in. I think even if you're in like Denver or another state, it's probably closer than you realize. And, you know, in some of our small towns, it's a huge part of the community. So, well, yeah, I mean, so like yeah. we were talking off air. So mm -hmm. when Veronica mentioned that, I'm like thinking like, you know, again, what the hell is agritourism? And then and she's, she mentioned something and it was like the light switch went off and I immediately took myself back to my time living in Texas. And so we were, we were in New Braunfels, which is uh, directly between Austin and San Antonio. Um, and so San Antonio does day trips, uh, cool. like many, many day trips yeah. up to Fredericksburg, which is like basically wine country. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking about that. I'm like, oh, like not only have I been a part of that, but like I've experienced the fun that that can actually have. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking like I hear ag and I'm like, oh, it's like a, you know, some chicken farm or it's, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, so it's like I, I, I yeah. brushed over it like yeah. really, really like with a broad stroke. Like this just is not for me. I've, I wouldn't, this doesn't make any sense for our area. But then I started thinking like, okay, well, you've got like you know, hop fields that are being toured that are attached to breweries. You've got uh, wineries that are being toured that are doing day trips yeah. um, or, or whatever, or they're doing uh, tastings and pairings like that. And like one of the ones that like hit me the most locally is like all the time that I've spent at, um, I think it's Foxfire. Foxfire, like, yeah. Ignacio. Yep. And I started thinking about that. I'm like, oh, wow. Like how many times have I been there to like the art festival? How many times have I been there mm -hmm. to like when they've got a band playing yeah. and we're experiencing like all of their own products that they produce, mm -hmm. or at least they're bringing in from the, the region, you know, mm -hmm. for that event. And I'm just like, this is, this is something that I think a lot of people, you know, unbeknownst to them are, have experienced it and maybe haphazardly sort of brushed over it, not thinking about the volume that, that it already exists like kind of locally, mm -hmm. you know, and, and another big one is like James Ranch. Yeah. You know, and like, I mean, obviously those those are the larger ones and maybe those are the ones that like are the household names at this point. But I started thinking about this and I'm like, you know, looking at this this community going, okay, well, we, again, we've, we've got tourism, 
but Bayfield doesn't necessarily have tourism. Like Bayfield right. sits in between Pagosa Springs and Durango, and it's essentially a bedroom community at times or is mm-hmm. to Durango, mm-hmm. right? Um, people don't really come to Bayfield to stay here, but I'm, I'm started like we're we're looking at how can we build revenue back into this town, mm-hmm. and I'm like this is this is it, mm-hmm. like yeah if we had a water park or if we had a something, but the 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 reality is we don't. But yeah. we've got we've got you know Paul Black with his you know his hop farm like right in town, literally across the street from where the town borders lie, and so it's like and then we've got. Um, you know, alpaca farms and we've got, mm-hmm. you know, horse rides and things of this nature. And I'm going, this, this could be a huge um, deal for our, our small little community. Mm-hmm. And then as the more I started researching it, I'm like, this is, this is really, really amazing. And it's already, it's already like, you know, rampant through the town. Yeah. And it's like you, I, I feel bad because like, I never really thought about it and that mm-hmm. I've experienced it, yep. taken advantage of it. You know, mm-hmm. and, and like been to events and like, this is so great, yeah. but you just like brush over it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I need, I need, I need more data. I need, mm-hmm. I need more details behind what this thing is mm-hmm. because it, I, I really do like going back to my first comments is like, I think that it's like viable. Mm-hmm. It's existent. It's kind of self-sustaining in a weird way. Like you yeah. guys are already operational. Yep. It's like, but how do we get people to the farms? How do we get people to the ranches to experience these things that you can't experience in the heart of Denver? You can't yeah. experience this in the heart of Dallas. Yeah. Like you can't, you know, it doesn't happen unless you come here. And yeah. so, so what do you, what do you guys like? And I say you guys, and I, I mean the community of the, the folks like yourself and other members of this ag community. Um, is it, is there a big push towards agritourism or is it something that's being opposed by the community? I would say it's supported. Um, I think, you know, the big push when I think of agriculture is within agriculture, we're really trying to encourage each other to tell our stories. And that just means the story of maybe your operation. And when we say operation, it's just your farm, your ranch, your large scale garden, whatever it is. Because if you think about it, you know, 100 years ago or even 50 years ago, most people lived in the country. Or if they didn't, you had, you probably at least were only one generation removed from a farmer ranch. So you might live in a little town or a city, but you maybe like went to Uncle Fred's house in the summer. You went to his farm and you loved it. You had that experience. You had that tie. But these days, a lot of people, we don't have those ties to agriculture to where our food comes from or fibers come from. And so I think that's a really big component of agritourism is I think we've gone so far in the opposite direction away from agriculture and understanding what that even means that people are kind of looking for that again. And I think agritourism is such a fun way to do that. So it gets people back either on the venue itself or to experience it even in like a farmer's market. And I think that's a huge deal. So that's a big part of those of us within agriculture, we just want people to understand what we do and why we do it because I would say all farmers and ranchers are passionate about what they do and they care deeply for either their animals or their land or the lifestyle. And, you know, really we just want to share it with people. We want people to understand us. And I think on a large scale, you know, nationally or even on the state level, people, some people look at agriculture and they think, oh, it's really bad for the environment. You, know, you can go really big into that or it's just, 
you know, big names like Tyson, which, yeah, those exist, but the majority of farms and ranches, even in the whole country, are actually family owned. So, again, a huge part of that is we just, we being people in agriculture, love to share our stories and we care. We care deeply about what we're doing and we just want to share it with people. So, I think that's a huge push. And I think, you know, another thing too is, it's really fun. I think a lot of us in agriculture are kind of surprised by some of the byproducts that come from agritourism. Um, for example, there's one lady that I know she's big into sheep and it was always meat processing, stuff like that. But then she kind of found that people were always curious, well, what do you do with the wool? And they weren't doing a lot. They It was hard to sell it. But so she started to get enough interest that they created their own wool products. And then that became a huge part of their agritourism. So it's really fun. It's interesting things come about it and it's surprising and it just, it's so broad too. I think that's the other amazing thing. Like I mentioned, you know, there's maybe corn mazes, pumpkin patches, which probably a lot of people have experienced, but it's also Christmas tree farms. Like you said, visiting a vineyard or seeing how beer is made. It's so broad bees. I mean, and in Colorado, we, we produce, so much in terms of agriculture like even sunflowers sunflower oil is a huge product that comes out of Colorado but you know I I don't know about sure. that <laughs> we don't have that here so even being someone in agriculture I think it's fascinating to go see how other people make their products and do what they do it's really neat so I think it's just a great way to learn do you feel like the vast um, majority of the ag community is is kind of embracing? the tourism aspect because, and I, and I asked this to you because both you and I growing up here, Mm -hmm. there's, let me, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody who has visited Colorado, uh, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. We we, uh, get to live here because you bring your outside revenue to our area. Um, but there oftentimes is a stigma sometimes, Mm -hmm. uh, surrounding tourists, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I've been on the opposite end of it where you go to a tourist destination and you see the locals being like, Oh, this freaking tourist, you know, like you just, you get that. So I'm going to, use that that statement to preface this next question is that sometimes there is that stigma around tourism and the ag community like having grown up uh, for most of my uh, life in in Bayfield and in you know southwest Colorado um, the ag community the um, kind of rural community is very proud yeah at times like and they and they uh, by all rights mm-hmm. you know they want to protect what they have they don't want to see it get overdeveloped they they want to keep that heritage and mm-hmm. i i agree with that i think that that's a great um thing to pass on to your children and to their children um but i i just wonder if uh, the vast majority of the community is embracing that tourism or if there's kind of that define line of like summer pose, but summer, mm-hmm. you know, um, because, because I see that generationally speaking, where even in Bayfield, you've got <clears throat> a lot of younger demographic that are pro growth and the older demographic are like, we like Bayfield for the same reason we moved here in 1975, Yeah, but it's, it's not 1975 anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's always a hurdle of like, hey, there's a balance. Mm-hmm. And so do, are you experiencing that same thing kind of in the ag community where some are opposed, but yeah. some are like, we, we gotta, we, we need to do this. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I mean, 
you explained it very well. Um, yeah, there's always that older generation and sometimes even some people in the newer generation that are like, no, we need to hold on to this and keep it exactly as it is. It's just not realistic. I mean, we're a growing state or a growing community. And so I guess, you know, my perspective, and I do think a lot of younger ag generations are probably in the same boat as me where kind of like I mentioned before, it's just an opportunity to share why agriculture is important. And this is such a good venue for it because it's exciting. It's fun. And you're learning all at the same time. And again, I think a lot of those misconceptions and the stigmas for tourists and going both ways, you know, I think people look at agriculture with some stigma, you know, just an old cowboy that's out of touch or something like that. But I think really what what most people are looking for is understanding. You know, we just want someone to understand where we come from and why we care about the things we care about. And so I think agritourism really allows that to happen. If you, you know, if you invite someone to your ranch, for example, at my family's ranch, we, we aren't commercial per se, as far as events, but we have had several people get married at our ranch. We've had baby showers. We've had family reunions. We've just opened our ranch up to the community as much as we can. And it's amazing how many people step foot out there and just take it all in. You can watch them take it all in. Some people have never been to a working ranch. They've never been out in the county. And it's, I think it's just eye-opening for them. And sometimes I think we forget in agriculture that you don't know what you don't know, right? So the same could be said, you know, for me about maybe the medical field. Like, I I don't know what I don't know. And so I, I think a lot of us in the younger generation are cognizant of that. And so we try not to just put assumptions on other people that have different views. But again, it's maybe they don't know any different. Maybe they've never, literally never been to a farmer ranch. Or, you know, within agriculture, it's kind of frustrating because people don't understand where their food comes from. And if, you know, someone like us, where we grew up here locally, you know that if you're eating a hamburger, it came from a cow. And you like where that comes from. But there are truly people that think you just get it from the store. They don't understand the whole process behind it. And so that's really frustrating. Very frustrating, you know, being the grower, the producer. So again, it's just opening up your experience to other people to let them experience it too. And I think that's the key. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I can, so I'm, I'm originally from Northeast Louisiana and and this goes jokingly back to my tourist uh, (laughs) statement, but you know, we came up here uh, the the summer or the 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 spring break before my seventh and eighth grade year, mm-hmm. and we it was a very cliche Southern Louisiana family. I had never seen snow once in my life. Wow! We came up spring break, and we we stayed at Vicedo. We skied at Purgatory for three or four days. We went home. My parents moved us up here in the first of June. Oh and wow! And it was just one of those things. Like they my my dad had been here like you know twenty years prior hunting with a buddy. And we had just never seen it, like the sheer beauty of like the mountains and mm-hmm. like as, as as simple as it sounds for a person that's from here, that's been here for a while, like, you know, I, I found myself bitching about how much snow we had this year. I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, right. And I've got friends of mine, like dear friends that are up in Silverton, they got snow yesterday. Oh, geez. Yeah. And I can't imagine how over it they are. But going back to your statements of like, if, if you know, if you've never experienced that before, um, it, it's it's so eye-opening 
in, in a very weird, visceral way. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's, and it's hard to explain to somebody. Um, I, I would, I would almost equate it to a person that's been in a rural community. Um, and for anybody that's, that's kind of from Durango, I, if you can take yourself back to like your first trip to Denver, mm-hmm. if you go up 285 mm-hmm. and you, you go over that crescent right before you drop down into Morrison yeah. and you can see the just vast sea of lights. I have no desire to be in Denver, but I cannot sit here and say that that view is not beautiful. Yeah. Like there's something otherworldly about it. And it's just like there's the, the twinkle. And if you catch it at the right time, like you see the red cliffs of Morrison and mm-hmm. there's just something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to experience that kind of situation for the first time is, is very um, correlative to experiencing things on a ranch for the first time. Like yeah. as weird as it sounds like, yeah. um, like going to, you know, and when you're going to like to brand calves, you know, and that time of season, like some people, like, like you say, like they don't know where their, where their food comes from. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of us don't mm-hmm. even locally. Yeah. You know, I couldn't tell you where the last, you know, I, I know where I bought it from. I know that I bought it from a local grocer. Mm-hmm. I know that I, um, paid X amount of whatever for so many slabs of, of bacon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I know where it came from, but like, I've never been to that ranch. I know yeah. where they, I know where they are. Yeah. Know, sure. Just south of Durango along yeah. the river, like, right. Yeah. <clears throat> but so I, I, I go back to like my experiences of coming here for the first time and seeing that and having the joy of having gone to ranches and got to experience that and seeing a horse, the first time in my life and petting a horse and riding a horse. And, you know, unfortunately, as much as it's, I hate it now, but bucking bales, mm, you know, yeah. it's like, that sucks. That's a lot of work. It yeah, your it butt. But it makes you appreciate all of it kind of very holistically about like what it takes to actually um, get this thing from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that if there is anybody in the community I fully understand and support any opposition towards it. I, I really do. I, mm-hmm. I understand fully why someone would say, you know, we want to keep this. We want to keep this to ourselves. We 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 don't want to allow it to get tarnished, right? Because yeah. sometimes the outside world does come in and they come in full force and they, they do ruin things. Yeah. But if you can keep that potential of being ruined at bay, and invite people to to the experience mm-hmm. and say like you get to come in but you have to leave mm-hmm. like we're, we're going to allow you to to see this we're going to allow you to experience this but you don't get to change this thing mm-hmm. i think if you're if your community can do that that's a very very special thing because yeah. that's not the case for a lot of Mm-mm. a lot of industries in this world mm-hmm. i mean the most of the time like if you have an industry corporate world comes in and they change it and they turn it into Tyson or they turn it into, you know, Butterball or whatever. Right. But if you, if you can keep this viable industry, uh, that's really flourishing and beautiful in its own right, but not allow it to change that. That's the thing that like, I'm, I'm rooting for you guys in that fashion of like, thank you. How do you do this? I don't have the answers, but um, you know, for anybody who's opposed to it, I would, I would suggest like coming to the table with your views and why you're opposed and saying, okay, what can we do to make sure that, you know, 
my opposition is kept at bay. Like I don't have to be fearful of inviting people to my farm. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be fearful of, of becoming part of this community or this like circuit of tours, you know, mm-hmm. if I've got a hay field, like it sounds silly, but like, you know, people, I wouldn't say they deserve the right to experience it, but I, I would implore anyone to get those experiences, oh, to, absolutely. to do those things one time absolutely, right? or many yeah. times, whatever. It's you know? so, so memorable. Yeah. And you know, like I said, a lot of people just don't have those experiences or it, maybe they don't even know where to go for these experiences, which I mean, I get it. I don't, you know, driving through the San Luis Valley, I'm like, wow, I didn't know they grew potatoes. I don't know anything about potatoes, <laughs> but how would you know? I'm just trying to get can to I just what the walk, hell? <laughs> right? Like you can just walk on someone's farm and be like, hey, tell me about your stuff. But, you know, a great resource I tell people is Colorado Proud. So you've probably seen the Colorado Proud sticker. It's yep. in most grocery stores. It's in some restaurants. Um, they're a really cool resource and they're maintained through the Colorado Department of Agriculture. And on their website, they have a whole map of agritourism sites and that's not even covering all of them but they have a huge list and so that's that's really cool I would you know you might want to check that out or I would encourage other people to check it out because sometimes it's amazing how much is in your own community that you don't even realize and an example of that actually there's just today is there's this neat program called ag in the classroom and it invites more urban teachers um, k-12 through to come visit some or sorry, yeah, some urban teachers to come visit a rural area and they choose different locations around the state. And this year, this summer, they're coming to Durango. And so I've been asked to help pick some of the spots they're going to go to. And, you know, some of the people were, um, I think they're based out of Denver. They were Googling where to where to come and things to see. And I didn't realize we have a hop farm, like just in Ignacio Bayfield area. Um, several places actually have hops. We have green chili, we have bison, we have an elk farm. You know, there's just so many things they can see. And all those people that we've reached out to are so happy to have people that are even interested. I think that's, again, that thing, this, you know, in agriculture, I think we're, we actually really want to show people what we do. I think that means a lot to us. But again, there's often that disconnect of how do you find an audience. Mm-hmm. And then if you're on the other end, like we talked about, you can't just walk up to someone's door and be like, Hey, you know, <laughs> sure. let yeah. me don't, don't fuck do some bales. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. Don't so I think that's another component of agriculture that's special is it allows that, that spot to meet in the middle and to discover it. And it is really neat. I mean, are you guys working with, with, um, kind of the local, uh, let's just call it venues. Um, to sort of build this this localized map and and get that out to the general public or like is we there... haven't yet but that's yeah. a great idea um we have i have worked a little bit with the visit durango office mm-hmm. our tourism office to try and get some of those agritourism spots listed and i they're definitely interested and more than happy to so it's just kind of a matter what do, of getting what do out you there need, you need numbers to kind of like pu- like to push it along or to edge it or, or like what's yeah the... and just you know numbers and to really have a good set of venues okay. that are there but there are i mean jackalope acres is another great example of that and they're just local and they have i believe they started with the pumpkin patch and now Oh my gosh, they have so many things. You can have events there. Mm-hmm. You can have campfires there. You can even get like little s'mores kits. I mean, they have, I don't even know, eggs. They have just keep, they just keep expanding and it's really cool. So just getting venues out there like that. Yeah. 
And their reach is really amazing. They have people come up from Farmington and all over the place. Same with Foxfire. The reach is so big, but it's just getting the name out there initially. I think is kind of the hard thing. Sure. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's kind of it's kind of strange. Like um, my my father in law has done uh, jewelry or lapidary work for years, and he's he can't really do it much anymore just because of his health. But we we did years and years of uh, the arts festival for the wines of the San Juans. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's like such a, I don't know. It's like almost like this, like um, untold story. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I had never driven that way. Um, you know, you go down the dam of, you know, Navajo reservoir. Mm-hmm. And instead of like going back towards Aztec, you actually go the opposite way to Bloomfield. And like, all of a sudden okay. you're out there in the desert. And then there's like some, you know, like it's like these like cliffs or these plateaus, and then it's like boom, you just see a huge vineyard, and you're like, where in the hell? Right. Like, this is in the middle. Like, what is going on? A you little know, oasis. Yeah. And yeah. So, but we've we've been there. I mean, probably six or eight times, and they've always got like the wine stomping contest, and they've got a band playing, and it's like three days of like arts and music, cool. um, and they've got tastings and pairings and everything like that, and it's like, but still, I like, talk to people. And that that event will bring I don't five or six thousand people like it's wow. a, it's a re, it, well it used to be I don't know right. hopefully they kind of made it through COVID but mm-hmm. um, it used to be a really good three day event and um, you talk to people locally and they're like where is it what yeah. is this yeah. and I'm like oh I mean it's beautiful it's I mean it's thirty five minutes south of like Durango and like I, it's just like you should go it's like such an experience mm-hmm. it's really cool um, so that's why like I mean I think if if you guys are working towards like putting this um, almost like portal together where, you know, you've got people can log into it, the accessibility and be like, okay, I would love to do this. Or what is this about? And kind of, um, you know, sort of build that in a, in a weird way. It's like, I almost feel like, you know, some of these, these farms and ranches and these programs maybe, maybe don't have a ton of funding to sort of like make their own website. And if they do, it's, it's awful, you know, and it's just like, this is the worst website I've ever been to in my life. And it like deters people from going there. Yeah. So it's like, but if you could build this like portal for people to say like, Oh, I would love to experience this. Mm -hmm. Like, this would be so cool. Like I remember, I vividly remember watching at the time, like this is, this is going to date my, like, my my gray hair beard will date myself, but also like I remember watching my ten year old nephew who's now twenty uh, or or nineteen, sorry, but doing the wine stomping contest and just like holding on to the it's a giant barrel. You've got like twenty five people and they're wow. just stomping as much oh, as they that'd can. Be cool. And like you're watching the wine coming out the little spigots. You're like or not the wine, but right. the, you know the juice. And yeah. so, um, but yeah, like. To just take your your kids to that or or mm-hmm. go experience that it was just such a really cool thing and like I, I I hope that maybe you guys could develop some type of portal that would allow um, some of these I, I say small events but like that was a really big event that really mm-hmm. didn't have a lot of publicity behind it you know yeah. so it's like if if the community could sort of get behind and 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 mm-hmm. really prop that up yeah I I think that one of two things a it would allow those local venues to to make revenue yeah. which subsequently helps out the you know the area and absolutely so that'd be that'd be super neat if you guys are kind of working towards mm-hmm. that yeah yeah it's really neat and you know and she's thinking kind of along those lines in colorado especially we love the idea of supporting local you know it's all support local shop local yeah. all that kind of stuff and so that's just Another great component to agritourism, you know, it gives back so much to the community, to the economy. And then as far as, you know, if you want to talk about like fruits or vegetables or meat, it's so much better for you too. 
to shop locally for that. So there's so many benefits to it. It's really neat. So it just, I kind of feel like it's, you know, once you get into it, it just keeps, it snowballs. Kind of There's like these snowball effects that just adds back so much value. And I, again, I would just, you know, encourage anyone listening that hopefully they would try and find something nearby and you'd be amazed. Yeah, and yeah. There's always something to learn. I think that's a fascinating thing. You know, I grew up in agriculture, but agriculture is huge. It's so vast and varied, even just in our area. It's mind blowing. So it's so fun to see these other places and what they do and just kind of to get a glimpse into someone else's life, too. It's just fascinating to see what other people do for a day to day. Yeah. And, and meeting, you know, if you do go to like, I mean, it's a great I, I've, I've found that, like, if you go to the farmer's markets, like that's literally, you know, farm to table essentially. Yeah. And, but it, it's really neat because a lot of times you end up meeting like the actual owner mm-hmm. of that company. And it could be um, like, I've, I've got a good friend of mine that owns um, uh, Kind Hemp and it's mm-hmm. he and his wife. And it's like, you know, they, they come out there and they're doing their hemp oil and now they're doing bees and it's wow. like, they own it. Like those two and they work it every day. Yeah. And like, they're the two in the tent and they're selling things. And like, that is a direct, a direct line back to where that's truly coming from. Like, I mean, literally Mm -hmm. out of the soil. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's interesting, like, you know, I would definitely suggest for anybody, like, I can't speak to a, you know, a large scale farmer's market, like in a city, but you know, in a rural area, chances are that's the person that's grown that, you know, or it's somebody that works for them. And they're like, we're bringing this you know, we picked this last night or mm-hmm. two days ago, and now it's it's here, and we're selling it direct, and and it it really gets like the conversation going if you if you spend the time with these folks, mm-hmm. and they're really happy. Again, going back to your comment, they're happy to share like share their story. Yeah. They're also like elated that you're buying their product. Yeah, right, because it's like they don't they would love to, and a lot of a lot of locals, you guys may even off your farm, like you definitely try and get it in some stores and. A lot of the, like the nature food stores are, you know, they, they would love to bring your product in and, and sometimes they do as long as it checks all the boxes, you know, mm-hmm. from government um, things, but then they have to put a markup on it. Yeah. And so it's like, sometimes that's 30 or 40 or 50 or maybe even 60% at some of these stores. And it's like, well, okay, I can't afford that, mm-hmm. that bison burger yeah. that's produced in Bayfield because now it's it's $12 more than it would be to just get regular beef from Walmart. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I'm not trying to say, you know, don't go shop at your local natural grocers or something like that. Right, right. But oftentimes you do have an avenue to go direct to source. And if you can go direct to source, it makes it far more affordable. Mm -hmm. It really does. And you know exactly where your money is getting spent. Like you can go out there, like you said, and see – you know, see the beef or see the chickens or mm-hmm. here's how we do it. And here's the process. And like, you know, like, okay, this is going from this ranch or this farm literally to my child's mouth. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Right. I'm good with that. Yeah. I can track down the path. And and I think a lot of people are, are really not opposed. And I wouldn't say that they're opposed to it, but a lot of people are turned off sometimes by eating or shopping at like a natural grocers or another store like that because it is, it's less affordable. Yeah. Because absolutely. of that. It yeah. could be better for you. You know, it could check all these boxes, but it's like at the end of the day, it's like, sure. Oh God, I got to, I've got to feed four mouths, not just two. You yeah. Know? And so 
Um, I think that if you if you have the opportunity, sometimes you can go direct source and shave 30 or 40% off what you're seeing at these markets. Absolutely. Um, and one way to meet those folks is going going to the, you know, the, the farmer's markets and things like yeah. that. So. And if you dry, buy direct from the source, they'll usually, you know, they're not trying to make millions off you. I think it's, yeah, it's like they want to sell you the product. They're not there to make extra. I think, you know, most people are more than happy to sell you the product. And, you know, you talked about meeting either the owner or the employees at a farmer's market, for example. Talk about passion. Like those people, when you talk to those people, you can tell they care about what they do. Mm-hmm. And it's it makes you want to invest in their product. At least for me, I'm like, wow, that you really love carrots. I didn't know there were 10 variety of carrots yeah. <laughs> and wow. Okay. I want to buy it. And then sure enough, you have a bite and I don't, have you ever had a fresh carrot? Like an actual yeah. out of the ground? Oh yeah. I don't know that I have to be okay. honest with you. That, that's your challenge. <laughs> okay. Go to the farmer's market, get a carrot. The difference is phenomenal. Fresh carrots taste amazing. They're absolutely amazing. So you know, it's kind of, again, like, I, I agree. If you think if you get it straight from the source, it's it's worth it. And it's how cool to know, like you said, exactly where your food came from and the person that grew it and how much passion they have and how much they care for it. And yeah. it's just really neat. I think it kind of brings everything full circle. Like I said a little bit before, I think, you know, in this day and age, we're, in a lot of ways, we're disconnected. And I, you know, I don't know that we feel that as much here because we still live so rurally and you know we have this amazing landscape and a lot of us get outside a lot but I think for other people that disconnect is very real and it just kind of brings it back into I think more how it should be of knowing where your food comes from and recognizing even how much better it tastes just there's so many benefits to it so well I mean just even like going back to one of your earlier comments of like you know your your family owns the farm right Mm -hmm. Like to me, that tells such a, a story. Yeah. Like it's not just we're not just eating this this dinner. We're not just having steak, or we're not just having chicken, or or what whatever the, you know. It's mm-hmm. like there's a story, and if you mm-hmm. know those those people, um, you know, it's like we've we've oftentimes like, you know, um, we've done it with James Ranch. We've done it with a, a few other places um, here in Bayfield. But it's like you know we'll come together with like a group of people and we'll order a beef. Yeah. And maybe everybody pays for a quarter or depending mm-hmm. on, you know, finances that you're like, well, I'll take an eighth or I'll do this. And then yeah. you know, or we'll buy, you know, a, a pork. And, and it's like you, you, you know, those people, you know, their kids mm-hmm. like, and you know that it came directly from that, that farm. And so when you're, when you have it in the freezer or when you're having it for a snack or, you know, what, whatever the case scenario is, it's, it is more than just, and I, 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 know I do want to kind of correct myself from earlier. It's more than just a direct line to who produced it. It's like, there's a whole another set of values behind eating in that fashion or consuming in that fashion. It's like you, you, there's a story behind it. There's a, there's actually a real family or there's mm-hmm. a, a real a company like a, a local that's owned by somebody and like and you, and you know that there's like contextual value behind that mm-hmm. and it, it it changes the way you look at it you mm-hmm. know and I, and I like I have no idea like how much of this audience is you know op- opposed to hunting I, I really don't care if you are cool congratulations but right. the thing of it is is like when you when you hunt whether you agree or disagree with hunting you know exactly the work it took to mm-hmm. harvest that elk or that deer or that turkey or whatever like you know the work that it took um, and, and you know, the emotions that course through your body when that happens. So it's like, I often equate that same kind of feeling. It's like, if you order, if you order this beef 
from this ranch and you know maybe it costs a little bit but you can split it between a couple different families and like mm-hmm. you all know where it comes from and it's yeah. not just a it isn't just a direct line i guess like i was saying it's like you it is mm-hmm. but it's like it, it's more than that it's more than like you, you don't just get to like tip your hat and be like i bought this from james ranch or i bought this from so yeah it's like oh i bought this from you know ann and jared or i bought this from these people and it's just like and i know their kids and i know their kids kids and mm-hmm. it's like it's it it really actually builds the community from the ground up. That's exactly Literally what I was going to say. Figuratively, yeah, that's you know? what I was going to say. It builds community because you you care all of a sudden that hamburger has context and you care about like oh some of those kids raised this cow and like how cool is that that this kid raised this cow or you might actually you know pay attention if there's some. I don't know, you know, something against farm and ranches that comes up in the newspaper or, you know, at, you know, on the state levels, terms of laws and things like that. You, It means something more because it's not just this abstract group of people like, oh, that doesn't affect me. Like, I'm not a farmer rancher. I don't know. Well, it does because first of all, you eat. And second of all, yeah, you know that if they pass this law that causes X, Y, and Z, that could really hurt your friends and their kids and it adds so much context and community. And again, that's, you know, I keep coming back to this, but again, you know, we used to understand, I think we as humans used to understand a lot more of where everything came from and it had a lot more meaning and connection. And the other thing is convenience is amazing, but also it's a hindrance. So if you could go into the store and you just buy a hamburger or buy a hamburger from like Walmart or something, it's, it's convenient. It's easy. You don't think about it. But when you, like you said, even hunting too, you know, if you take the time to go hunt and you know what that feeling is and you really respect the animal for what it's giving you, it adds so much more meaning to your life, which sounds so, I guess, a little dramatic, but it really does because, you know, we eat all the time. You have to eat to live. And farming and ranching adds so much back to the community, but also, you know, to wildlife and air quality. There's so many components of it. So it all just brings it full circle. And I think it's really important to understand that. And, you know, if hunting isn't your thing, for example, then I don't know if you love wine. Yeah. Go to the vineyard, see where it comes from. (laughs) You know, that's the great thing is, you know, sometimes people like, well, I'm vegan. I don't care. I'm like, well, how would you like to go to a farm and, you know, a huge vegetable patch or something, you know, we all eat, we all wear clothes. A lot of that comes from agriculture. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just having that appreciation for where it comes from sure. and thinking about it. It's not just a convenience, but the story behind it. That's the huge component is what's the story behind it. Just like you would appreciate anyone asking, you know, the story for your own context, your own life. It, you know, it matters. You feel valued and you feel seen when people ask and genuinely care. And it's the same with searching it out and showing interest. I think that's the big thing. Is there anything going on right now, like in the, uh, I guess, like the uh, political arena that's kind of putting any pressure on the the farming and ranching mm-hmm. communities at this point that could be a negative or a positive? Yeah, or? there's always many things. Um, you know, water is a big thing. Mm-hmm. As we know, you know, water is huge and ag does use a lot of water. And so... You know, as more people move into Colorado, we're building a lot and, you know, for houses or whatever it is. And, you know, people see that water goes to agriculture and they think, well, that should just be cut out. 
But again, if you visit any form of agritourism, water obviously is a huge component of that. So again, it's finding that context and that understanding. And so, yeah, ag does use a lot of water, but it also, it goes to your food and it replenishes our water tables. It helps, you know, all of that ag land helps provide habitat for our wildlife, all the things we care about in Colorado. You know, we wouldn't wouldn't have if it weren't for agriculture in a modern sense. So I think that's important. Um, you know, there's always things that come up with um, like the wolf reintroduction, for example. I don't know if you've heard about that. I have. Yeah. See where this goes now. <laughs> yeah. So I'm joking. yeah. Okay. So wolves, yeah. if you know, if you don't know, wolves are being reintroduced to Colorado and that's a big deal. One, because it's, not as simple as just reintroducing wolves and say, this is the district that we're going to put them in. Well, they're not going to stay in a arbitrary line. They're going to sure. move around and they, if you know, they impact wildlife as well as, you know, farm and ranch animals too. So it's just a big deal. Like wolves are a huge, huge deal. And they're not even, I'm not an expert in wolf reintroduction, but they're not even the same wolves that used to be native to here. So it's kind of just understanding the backstory. So, yeah, there's lots of things that affect farm and ranchers all the time yeah. on state and national level. So so I was talking a to um, a gentleman some time ago, like on like very like the western border of Colorado, kind of like Dove Creek mm -hmm. sort of area, like bordering almost Utah. And a lot of that farming community out there is um, is beans mm -hmm. right and so but what I, what I found odd and I, I didn't know this and I, and I understand it to some level um, but what I what I found was odd is that the the reality of actually getting the beans to a harvest level to be able to distribute out to the public is terribly difficult in, in a sense from not only farming difficulty, but, um, you know, pest difficulty, thing like that. And so I was talking to this guy, I was like, well, why would, why would you want to like keep doing this? Like what's going on? I'm like, well, that's how I make my money. I was like, wait a minute, you don't, you don't sell this. You're telling me you can't sell this. He's like, well, no, but if, if I take a loss then the government subsidizes that loss from whatever the, the bill is or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, he's, he's banking on the loss and yeah. I'm like, hold on, like my, my brain didn't quite understand it. I mean, I, I do. I, I fully understand like federal subsidies. Sure. But I was like, so you're a, you're a farmer and a rancher or a farmer and you're working your ass off every year uh, producing beans and getting them to a certain point right before almost known failure. And then you're reporting that failure and that's how you make your living. I was like, I, I didn't understand it. I, I really didn't. And I was like, is there not a, is there not a more fruitful, like for lack of better mm -hmm. terms, like a fruitful way to go about that? And I just, you know, I didn't get into that type of conversation with that gentleman. We were assessing land values and things. Mm -hmm. And there is a, there is a, actually a monetary value to that loss, which is yeah. really strange. Seems um, backwards. It does seem backwards, but you know, it, it kind of seems unfortunate, but I'm like, it's almost the way it's the, the way of life for a certain type of farmer. So then me being the nerd that I am, uh, I started doing more research and like, it's, it is a vast 
share of crops that are grown in this country that are grown to failure Hmm. that then are subsidized by the federal government. Hmm. And I'm going, hold on. Okay. Like that, that gets me. So then it's like we're constantly met. Okay. We go to the grocery store. Maybe you're in Denver, maybe you're in California or something. You don't have the means to getting to someone who's actually producing edible corn or something like that. Right. And then I'm going, well, corn is like X amount of dollars. It's like increasing or, you know, milk is X, it's, it's increasing. Mm-hmm. Everything is like, you know, getting more expensive as, as we, we go through inflation. Then I'm like, well, hold on. Like 40% of the crops that are grown in the country are grown purposely to fail. So that way that the government can subsidize the failure. Why not figure out a way to take half of the 40 and produce it to production, mm-hmm. which would reduce the cost of the product in the stores. Yeah. And I'm like, what, what is going on? It was, it was just really crazy to me. Yeah. And I started like the more research I did, I was like, what? this is like, I never thought about that. Yeah. Like ever. I'm like, what do you, hold on. We're growing stuff purposely to fail. So that way we can make money from the government for the failure. Yeah. So, I mean, I, like what, what can you, do you know anything about like, is I that- don't know <laughs> a lot about it. Um, it is interesting. I mean, it's really hard to produce. Um, so kind of an example around here is, you know, slaughterhouses. There's only, I believe, two in our for, area. For, for beef? Yeah, okay. for beef, for, you know, hogs, lamb, anything like that. And so it's it's really hard. And part of it is in order to build a slaughterhouse, you have to pass all these regulations that sometimes you just want to throw your hat in like, this is insane. Who wrote this? They, they don't understand agriculture or this is going to take forever or tons of money that we don't have. So that's, again, you know, it's family farms are a huge, huge part of our whole country, but it's also really hard to produce and it's expensive. So it's really, it's really odd. And I, you know, I don't know a lot about that part, but it really is mind blowing, blowing the more you learn about agriculture and like I said, how vast and varied it is mm-hmm. and what it takes. I mean, it really is crazy what it takes to go from someone's field to especially a bigger chain store, just a bigger product. And it doesn't even have to be like in a bad way, but just, you know, like Adobe milling, maybe like, you know, to see their bag of beans, the story and all the steps and all the hands that goes through to get there is insane. It's yeah. a lot. I mean, agriculture is a hard industry and there's so many components to it and steps to it. And so, I mean, again, that's where I think people within the ag community get frustrated because it's people don't understand how hard it is. How it's much it takes it's so produce. complex. Yeah. yeah. Well, so that, that brings up an interesting concept of like, if, Okay, let's say that these farmers, and, and we're talking hundreds of thousands, right, to, to, to get to the number of 40%, right? Yeah. It's, it's insane. The amount of acreage, the amount of crops mm-hmm. um, that are essentially wasted, that, mm-hmm. that they go into each growing year knowing that they're not going to be able to produce. So let's just, like, flip the switch for a second and, and work it backwards. If these farmers could stop chasing the economies of scale, Right. If they could stop chasing the city markets, the, you know, the, basically if they could stop having to jump all the hurdles that the government has enacted on them, right. To get, 
USDA certified and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm not saying that those are, are wrong because I don't know enough about them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're producing things on a mass scale, you, you do want to make sure that they're safe and they're quality and, yeah. you know, they don't have some kind of bacteria that's going to the public. Um, but if they could stop chasing that economy of scale sort of dream, right, and more people could buy locally in a sense, like like mm. if we could go – if if everybody in La Plata and Montezuma County could go to Dove Creek to buy their bean product. Yeah. Could they produce in a fashion where they're no longer chasing the failure, but yeah, they're chasing production because they know that they're going to sell the product. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like a, it's like a mental switch. It's like, yeah. we have to get out of the mindset of like, this is the way that it's always been. This is the way that we're going to do it because we, we know we're producing a losing, a losing product, right? Mm-hmm. This is a, this is just the way we make our living. And I'm going, there's got to, hold on, there's got to be a different way. There's got to be a better way. There has to be, you know? And so mm-hmm. that's, it's really kind of interesting to hear. Um, cause you really don't, from the outside world, you don't, you don't realize, like, I don't realize what it takes to run a farm. Like I've yeah. really, my, my parents had horses growing up when we first moved here. Cause we were like, Oh my God, it's, it's beautiful. They look so beautiful in the pasture. It's a <laughs> son of a bitch, <laughs> you know, to have six so horses much work. And, it's and it's expensive. Oh my God. And it yeah. doesn't stop with just feeding. You've got to ride them. And, you, yeah. and it's like, it's a lot of work and we didn't eat the horses. You know, so yeah, it was like, it, yeah. was, it wasn't, it was for pleasure. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's the running joke that, you know, a lot of people are horse poor. Yep. They eat a lot of food and they're very expensive and the vet bill, yeah. you know, and so I, I don't know anything other than that, but that was a, well, like a ranch wasn't farming. And so to kind of hear your perspective and saying like, it's, it's a lot of work, mm-hmm. time and money and energy to jump through these hurdles that, you know, maybe these local or even state or federal levels have kind of put laws or, uh, you know, uh, things that, that make it harder and more expensive on you to produce a product. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to kind of hear it from that perspective. Yeah. Cause you really don't, if you don't know, like you said, if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. You don't know, you don't know, but it's still really hard to be like, okay, this person in Denver is making these laws with preconceived notions of what they think we're doing, but they don't actually know. But we also don't feel like they're wanting to find out. But these laws affect us and our operations, and it makes it that much harder. Our, you know, as if it's not hard enough dealing with weather. You can't control weather. You can't control inflation, you know, like fertilizer, different things like that. And so, and again, coming like with a lot of people moving into Colorado, that's really hard too because you're bringing in outside mindsets, which isn't always a bad thing by any means. But if if you're coming in from maybe let's just say a more urban setting and where, you know, you're looking at it with, oh, that my neighbor just takes all this water. How could they take all this water? You know, kind of that negative stigma towards it. It's really frustrating from the ag community. And it's just hard to meet in the middle because like I said, you know, everyone just wants to be understood. And I think if people understand why that, that farmer is using a lot of water, well, they have to feed their cows and you know where or even where the water comes from or where it's actually going a lot of water doesn't even stay in our area it moves on to cities well how do you think that makes your farmer rancher feel sure when all your water is going to phoenix or to california you don't even hardly get to see that much of it and so that's you know that's just the honest truth it's just really hard to have other people tell you how to live your life and i think that's true for anyone um but especially in something as big and broad as agriculture, because, you know, agriculture in Pagosa 
might even look different from agriculture in Bayfield, let alone on a state level or a federal level. So, I mean, it all, like, I, I just keep saying it comes back to wanting to be understood. And I think that's where agriculture or agritourism, excuse me, is. I think it can be, it just might be that piece that clicks for people. That bridges the gap. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. If you're coming to a ranch, you see the water and maybe mm -hmm. like, you know, someone might just be very blunt and like, wow, that's a lot of water. Like, don't you know we're in a drought or something like that? And if someone can be like, yeah, well, we need it for here. Or I actually don't get that much of that water. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing is, you know, if an ag or if a ditch goes through your place, you have very certain amount of water you can take. You can't just take as much as you want. And so some people might not understand that. So it's just, it really is just understanding, just understanding. Yeah. I mean, that there's a, so you talk about the water. So there, there is some huge advances, you know, for anybody who's whatever part of the country, like we've all seen like a pivot, you know, like a pivot, a watering system that's like, you know, it has a, a center well and it kind of goes in a big circle or there's mm -hmm. a side roll which goes from one side of a field to the other. Um, you know, especially like in Colorado where where we we are, we have been in a drought for many, many years. And, and you know, we do have these big storm years and it seems like, oh, it's past us and then it's back, we're in a drought next year, right? Yeah. Um, but there's been huge advances. I just want to, you know, kind of add to, you know, what you're saying is, with the watering systems, um, and it's it's kind of odd. Like some of this has sort of been driven, um, I will say, by big cities, um, people that are in a heavy drought. Like like so, mm -hmm. like uh, let's just call it like California. Yeah. So they're just there is more golf courses there, I think, than like any other area that's like really really hidden by a drought. Mm. But some of the golf uh, companies that make the watering systems. They've really put huge advances like with technologies behind them that have certain types of sprayers that when they actually release the water through through the heads of, of the sprayer mechanisms, they have a, a device that hits each like water particulate to where it turns into almost like a mist. And this sounds crazy, right? Mm. But so we did a huge system years ago for, for the Glacier Club, which is north of Durango. Yeah. And this company, um, Aspen was the name of the company. They came in and they put the system on their back, their private back nine, right? Which you don't get to play unless you're uh, a member and yeah. you got all this like, you know, smoogey money. Yeah, fancy. Uh, <laughs> so, but they put the system that was like amazing and it had, it was like 98% yield of water. Wow. It was wild. But so again, me being the nerd that I am, I start researching more of that. And like some of these same advances into watering systems are coming into the farming communities. And they're a little bit out of the reach of some of the smaller sure. people. But as you look at some of these pivot pumps out there, um, like some of them are ran off of a of, off of a VFD, which is a variable frequency drive, right? And so they're like monitoring the amounts of water that are getting distributed. And they're using these heads that do disperse the water in a very, very efficient manner. And so, but people driving by would never know that, yeah. right? Um, but I will say that like out of my research and having worked on a ton of pivot pumps and things like this, like the technology that's being used, it seems simple, right? It comes out of the hole and we just spray it out of these sprinkler heads. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, it's, it's a bit more advanced. Yeah, a little that, more than that. So, yeah. um, but there's, there's been really, really large advances to try and be cognizant of the water usage and the water retention. Mm -hmm. And so, 
Um, I just wanted to kind of add to that because when most people are driving, I'd say most of our population, they drive by a pivot and they go, oh, God, they're watering. Yeah. You know, they're just they're just using it all. And, you know, and yeah. so that's that big, big push of like we're in a drought. We're in the but, you know, what they don't know um, is is actually a lot of these systems are very, very efficient with the water usage. Yeah. Um, and to and to your comments earlier, like, you know, there may be a gigantic ditch uh, that goes through if it's a main lateral that goes through a rancher's property depending on their shares of water that they have had for years and years and years, they may only get a minute percentage of that mm-hmm. water, like because yeah. it's everybody downstream and depending on the, the structure of your shares and your rights, your water rights. Um, but the majority of that, like you, you, you are correct. It goes South. Like yep. you can pretty much follow it on a map. Yep. It's going to a reservoir and it's going to go down a river and it's going to go to another, another reservoir. Mm-hmm. And so the waters in Colorado really don't stay. No in Colorado for very long, right? Not very long at all. So you guys in your community, you have to use that water in the most efficient means possible. And if your primary crop is X, then you've got to water X amount of water. If your primary uh, production is beef and you need to be able to produce hay so that you can feed your beef because that's where you actually make your profits, Mm -hmm. then you have to be able to water X amount to be able to grow so much and feed the cows, right? I mean, yeah. it's pretty it's pretty straightforward. And so um, I think you put the the nail in the coffin on being like agritourism could potentially be the catalyst that bridges the gap between not knowing and knowing or having an understanding, right? Yeah. You may not you may find out and get some knowledge and still disagree and that's totally fine. Yeah. But like I think there's really it, I mean, I, the way that you articulated it is pretty damn great because it's like that might be the ticket to really getting knowledge back to the public that may be opposed to what you guys are doing or unaware of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But it's like if you can show them that and going back to our original comments, like seeing snow for the first time, right? Mm-hmm. If you can let them see it for the first time, they could have an understanding and that understanding could then transcend generations, right? Mm-hmm. Which would only support the local and regional and you know statewide and national wide agritourism as a whole yeah you know so yeah I think it's that's, huge yeah i mean the way you said it was far better than i said oh, <laughs> i think you're doing great thank you <laughs> yeah it's really neat i i don't know it's just a whole lifestyle in in a way agriculture is and it's just really neat and like i keep saying i think most of us we just want to share it because it's special and we want people to understand, but it's so varied. It's so vast and there's so many components to it. And I think another thing, you know, within agriculture, we, it's not like, you know, we have a big sprinkler going and we're like, Oh, cool. Let's just turn it on in the middle of the day when it's hot. Yeah. I don't care about water. No, of course we care. You know, that water is vital or whatever it is. You know, we really care. Like we want to make the most out of it. Um, you know, we care about the environment, soil health, all of those things, you know, some of those kind of buzzwords that are popping up now, it's sometimes there's a stigma that farm and ranchers don't care about it. That couldn't be farther from the truth. I, how could you not care about it? That's our livelihood. And we're the one boots on the ground. And when you are boots on the ground or really, you know, that connected to anything, you care, you deeply care. So as far as advances too, it is really cool to see what people are doing and there's so many advances and it's, it's really cool to see the next generation, even below me, 
like the people that are in college now and what they're doing to advance agriculture. I mean, with drones or computer systems for watering that, you know, they sense temperatures and they know when to release water in different areas or whatever it is, you know, with crops, it could be with anything, but it's just fascinating. Yeah, and it's I mean, wild. We care. We're passionate. <laughs> no. We're passionate people. <laughs> uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I watched a, I watched a video the other day. Um, friend of mine, uh, I don't, I probably can't say his name, but so I won't. Um, he has a client sort of, uh, near, near Moab across the Utah border. Mm -hmm. And so they built this like, I mean, insane watering system. It's like thousands of acres. Um, but they use a drone and it's, mm -hmm. it's like, it's crazy. Send me a video and it's like this hatch, you know, like a, it has like a lid, you know, and it opens up, drone comes out and it's triggered by whatever programming language they've, they're like, you're going to fly out at one o'clock and, you know, yeah. um, and it, it, they have a, a, basically a flyover, like you're saying, like a drone and it mm -hmm. looks at, it takes like a thermal image and okay, well, this is like a hotter portion of the deal. We need to water here or whatever, mm -hmm. whatever yeah. makes more sense. And so this flyby drone like flies over these gates and it gets within a certain like proximity to these, these like head gates, right? And <clears throat> so they're automatic head gates. And so for those of you who don't know what head gate is, like it's open, closed valve, right? So it's, right. you know, it lets yeah. a certain amount of water through or, um, but basically these are designed to be like open or closed for yeah. lack of better terms. Yeah. And it's got like a, almost like an RFID card reader, oh, cool. you know, like yeah. get into a door at a hospital yeah. or something and it flies over and boom, gates open up to whatever percentage they're set to. Right. And it just like flies this path. And it comes back and it like sets, it's like they call it the crow's nest and it's and like lid comes closed. And when the watering cycle is done, it opens up and it goes back and like, you know, because this is a one man farm. Mm -hmm. And the, I mean, if anybody has ever like, I mean, walked out there with a nine iron and just hit gate pipe all day, like to do that, it's like a thousand acre, you know, piece of oh, land gosh. is you know, you would spend two days to go from one end to the other. Yeah. And so this thing does it in a matter of minutes. And it's just, it's insane to see the advances mm -hmm. that are coming out with like, okay, this is highly efficient and like, wow, where's it going to be in the next decade? It's just, it's just, it kind of blew me away. Yeah. I was like, wow. And it was weird because he sent this to me. He had been working on it for about three years with this guy, <laughs> mm -hmm. sort of back and forth. And I was like, oh, that's it's kind of neat because Hannah's coming on and, you know, like mm -hmm. it's, it's just me just, again, being a little dork. But um, so. Yeah, if, it's so cool. If if somebody, you know, like I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking that this is like very outside looking in. You know, there's a couple of farms and ranches, like the bigger names, whether it's James or whether it's Sunnyside or whatever, like, like they've had enough time and history behind themselves to kind of like not only build into the name, but also make their their farms and their ranches like presentable. Mm -hmm. to a fashion to where somebody a little bit smaller, maybe not be able to, they may not have the financial capacity or means yeah. to kind of turn it into that. So in, in your mind, like if somebody is trying to like, let, let's just say that you grow this thing in the next like three to five years, right? This, this agritourism in our area mm -hmm. and they really want to kind of get involved with you and in, in this thing that is growing what would be the recommendation to them? Because like I, I would think from an outside perspective that you, you kind of get, you get one chance, right? Like your first showing better be your best showing right? because people want to come back. Yeah. And so for somebody who's kind of like on that teeter totter of like, maybe they have a really great farm and like really great people and their product mm -hmm. is amazing, 
but it just looks like a ranch. And I don't say that anybody listening to this, I, I don't say that negatively, sure. but I think we can all tell the difference between a white picket fence ranch from somebody who's got some money <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> versus a ranch that produces product. That's just a ranch in Bayfield. Right. right. I mean, oh, we, yeah. we all know the difference. Yeah. absolutely. So would you say that they should still kind of push forward and reach out to you and kind of become part of that bigger community or should they figure out a way to sort of make it more presentable? Like what's your, what's your take on that perspective? Cause I do worry, like I'm, I'm imagining somebody coming in from the outside world and going, this one's beautiful. Oh, it looks like a right. movie. And that one's like, Ooh. yeah, it's fun to visit, you know, a place like James ranch where they're up in the animus Valley and you have this gorgeous <laughs> yeah. backdrop and they had live music in the background. I yeah. mean, of course that's very idyllic, but um, I would say, I think there's also the kind of that fine line of sure. Maybe you need to clean it up a little bit, but also still be authentic. Sure. Um, you know, something that I started doing recently was getting on Instagram for our ranch, which I've never been a big poster at all, at all, at all. And I kept hearing from, I'm involved in Farm Bureau and they kept saying, share your story, share your story. If you're young, get on social media, share your story. And I mean, I've heard that for a couple of years. And finally I was stuck in an airport, stuck in Durango trying to leave, but stuck in Durango, which is frustrating. And I was like, okay, fine. I'm just going to do it. So I created a ranch account and I started sharing pictures and eventually learned how to do reels. And it was so fun. I had people wanting to follow us from all over the world. And we don't have a huge following, but it's kind of fun to get several thousand views on me feeding horses. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it took a long time for me to feel even comfortable posting this stuff. I'm like, who cares? Or I felt like it had to be this beautiful picture, you know, at sunset maybe mm. with the mountains and beautiful green grass. But it kind of just got to the point where I was like, I'm just going to be real. Yeah. And those mm. are those are the things that people love to see. I think, you know, again, in this world where in some ways everything is so over the top with a filter or made to look so perfect, mm -hmm. you know, like the Instagram versus real life. If you see those, it's, I just kind of got to the point where I was like, I'm just going to be real. So I think that applies to your physical locale as well. Mm -hmm. And then also if you don't know what to do, you know, if social media is your thing, share it on there. You know, like I said, I never thought anyone would care, but I love following people that live in New York City or other parts of the world because their life is so fascinating because it's so different yeah. from mine. And sometimes I forget that my life might be that different or fascinating to others. Um, so I would encourage that. Or if, you know, if you feel like you don't have a product or something or a place to have your product or you don't feel like your operation is big enough or whatever it is, or the logistics of having even, you know, public bathrooms, like things like that. It is hard. So farmer's markets are great. I think that's a really great way to do that. I know so many people that have just their businesses have exploded through farmer's markets. Like there's one um, local lady from Ignacio that sells flowers and her business has exploded and she does that at a farmer's market. So I would, you know, or if nothing else, just, you know, I would encourage people just to tell others what they do yeah, and not, belittle your own story and I think we're all kind of guilty of that for whatever it is like oh I just do this thing it's no big deal you don't want to talk about sure. it but it's cool and if you're passionate about things I think people care they realize it's important to you and they might want to know more yeah. or ask why so 
you know, there's different ways to do it and kind of to each their own, but I would say take a risk yeah, when jump. you have to lose, you know? <laughs> yeah. You you have nothing to lose. Yeah. You can stay the same farm you've been. You can yeah. keep doing what you're doing. But yeah, I, I I fully agree with that. I think um for whatever reason, like that's literally the I don't think it's a slogan. We don't have a slogan, but that's our I don't know if it's a motto for this podcast, but like yeah. I mean I we really you know, and this probably comes from a little bit of my personal like imposter syndrome, you know, mm-hmm. no matter what you're doing. You always kind of feel like nobody's going to care. Oh, yeah. Like nobody, nobody's going to watch. Nobody's going to listen. And like, I mean, you'd be surprised. Like you'd, you'd mm-hmm. really be surprised how many people that that stupid little reel that you created that you're yeah. like, this is so not me or this is not, right. you know, I don't, I don't really enjoy this. But yeah. it's like it, it will connect with somebody. It may mm-hmm. not get 10,000 or 10 million views. Right. But the people that do see it and they like it, they're going to be like, I actually really enjoyed that, you know? Yeah. Like and that it's was like, cool. yeah. And the, especially like the dirt and grit of, of being a real rancher, mm-hmm. like take a reel of somebody doing during branding season. That shit is brutal. Yeah. You know, it's not fun. Yeah. It's, no. it's hot. It's sweltering, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's like you're getting kicked and you're covered with. You yeah. Know, it's loud. This. Yeah. So, I mean, but people don't get to see that part of mm-hmm. life. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think, yeah, the way that you described it, it if, if you, if you're thinking that nobody's going to care, you should think again because somebody, somebody's going to care. It's going to, it's going to ring true with somebody. They're going to be interested. And I think I didn't really think about it that way, but you know, starting, if you don't have the, the presence maybe for like the in-person, like if you're, if you're fearful that, you know, you don't know, have the means of getting public restrooms mm-hmm. or like maybe, yeah. maybe your ranch is like, God it's inherited and I've, it's been in three generations and we've got, you know, broken cross fence and we want to yeah. get it pretty, um, or, or whatever we want to work it to a different model, you know, start at that social media aspect and kind of build, build into that mm-hmm. and get people's interest. And then if you're showing them, Hey, we're, we're fixing, you know, 3000 yards of broken fence this summer. And then they see it, like, they're going to understand that it's like, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. No. You know, not riding gonna, off into the they're sunset. They're going to understand what it takes to yeah. raise fifty head of cows. They're mm-hmm. going to understand that, you know, it stinks hauling them all the way to the slaughterhouse or mm-hmm. the sale yard or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think that that yeah, I hadn't thought about that. that's a really good way to to kind of approach it if you're testing the waters, so to speak. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and like I said, for me, it's it's been fun. I like I said at first, I thought everything had to be a perfect picture or whatever, and now. Kind of having fun showing the less perfect sides. <laughs> like sure. that's honestly a lot easier. I have a lot more content to choose <laughs> for the less perfect. So, and it's been fun. It's um, it's kind of made me appreciate our ranch a little bit more and our story. And mm-hmm. it's made me a little more excited to tell people like this is what we do or this mm-hmm. is why we do it. Or again, making me realize the things I think are just mundane is not mundane to someone else because they have no idea why you put out irrigation pipe or what is irrigation pipe or, you know, the different things like that. So it's cool. It's fun. And I think it's, you know, whatever is your passion within agriculture, you just, just follow it. Sure. You know, it can be big or little. And that's the other thing. It doesn't have to be some big, big, big operation where you're bringing in hundreds of people. It could be something small or, you know, maybe you smell, sell, Little like the wool balls, you know, that you put in a dryer. Mm-hmm. Have you seen those? Yep. Like 
just something like that. I yeah. don't know. I mean, that's cool. Even if you got one of those and you saw that, uh, this came from a sheep in whatever, some small town, Colorado. And like, that's cool. It's kind of fun to know a history or the backstory of mm -hmm. things. So I think it's just reminding people it doesn't have to be huge either to make an impact. This, this lady I know from work, she's got a, I mean, a beautiful, like flower garden. I don't know if that's yeah. the right terminology, right? And I don't sure. think they eat anything. Maybe they do, but it's all like beautiful. I mean, gorgeous. Like, oh. uh, and so she's, um, part of like the botanical society. Oh, and so yeah. they've got that coming up this summer mm -hmm. and there's like 450 people that go through each one of these wow. gardens. Wow. And so she's stressing that she's like, I'm gonna have to have like arrows, be like, don't step on this part of the lawn and do this. And mm. I'm just like, wow, that just seems, you know, again, like if, if you don't know, I'm like, who? There's, there's 450 people that are going to walk through some gardens for a weekend. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. a big deal. So. It's like pray to homes, <laughs> yeah. pray to gardens. Pray to gardens. <laughs> That's cool. So it's pretty wild. You yeah. Know, I'm, um, I, I'm, I'm rooting for you guys. I, I feel like there is obviously this um, existing community that is like rocking it and doing doing great and maybe doesn't need the outside world to really – it doesn't need the outside world to kind of keep doing what you're doing. But mm -hmm. I feel like there's an opportunity for the community that you guys have created or that are building to, to grow even more so than it is now. Yeah. Um, and get that outside world to kind of become a part of it in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there's a lot more people that, like you said, that, that might be like intimidated or I have something really cool, but they don't think that they're, that their ideas or that their ranch or that their product is kind of worth mentioning. Yeah. Um, so uh, whatever it becomes in the next, you know, five, 10 years, a couple of decades, um, I, I'm just, I'm really rooting for the community because I, I think that it's a cool way to, like you said, and it's so perfect um, to, to bridge the gap of knowledge, mm -hmm. like to, to give people real, tangible ways to understand and that is something that's hard to kind of give to people anymore right mm -hmm. it's like whether digital or where yeah whatever whatever way we gain our knowledge but like this is a real tangible way to like put your hands mm -hmm. on a sheep like put your hands on some vegetables pet a yeah. horse you know like do do those things and I'm I'm really excited to kind of see where it goes and I don't know if you or if somebody is kind of leading the charge locally, but um, I hope that more people reach reach out to whoever is that person kind of fostering that development because I, I think that there's massive gains and we kind of talked about it earlier, but if there's anybody who's like opposed to it, I would really suggest that they just have a conversation with with the parties that aren't opposed to it and be like, look, here's the benefits or here's the, mm -hmm. here's the negatives that we've seen, we've experienced, but we put these into place and all of a sudden there's no longer a negative. It's actually a positive. And because I think that the community and, and, and I'm thankful for this, but locally we have such a rural community um, that I think that it could just explode and build revenue and income for people that otherwise don't have access to it. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I agree. And like, we talked about that sense of community. I mean, it really builds community. There's something about it that just ties it all together nicely. So, I mean, what a great resource for everyone involved, whether you're the one enjoying it or the one putting it out there to the world. It's really neat both ways. So, 
I look forward to seeing what happens as well. <laughs> I'm hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hannah, thank you so, so much for coming on. I really appreciate you. Yeah, thank um, you. Thanks for putting up with me for an hour. Oh, so. thanks for listening to me for an hour. It was great. Uh, if, if anybody wants to reach out to you, um, how, how should they kind of get a hold of you? Just online or is it, you know, if they've got questions, if they're, if they're thinking of like, you know, I want to do this, but I don't have any of the answers. I mean, can they, can they reach you directly online or is there a preferred yeah. method or? Um, I mean, just an email, hannahminkler at gmail.com. Or if, you know, if people are interested in following our ranch account, um, we're primarily on Instagram and it's Stone Peak Ranch and just reach out on there. Um, you know, there's also some great groups like La Plata County Farm Bureau or Rocky Mountain Farmers Union. There's all sorts of different groups, too, that I know everyone's just excited to share. So, okay. yeah, right. but I would love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. Um, you guys have a wonderful day, night, morning, whatever this is for you. Um, be kind to yourself. Give somebody a damn hug. Bye. Have you ever felt? Are you listening? Damn. Uh.